Hi, welcome to Bad Witch Podcast, the podcast where we are going to get our witch shit together once all at a time. I know you haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> and also the podcast where we have no official posting schedule any longer. Um, I know I said in our last episode, Vision Board, I was going to give you two weeks to do it, and I am still giving you two weeks to do it. Um, I just felt like I wanted to put something up because we're going into July in this hell year. And so I wanted to start the month off with you. Um, so what's new with me? <sighs> I think I told you on the last episode because I had to like stop and then pick back up because all the stuff was going on with my dad. So we got him home and we had a good night together. And, you know, he was starting to come to more. He could call me. He was kind of joking around with us and just happy to be home. And then my mom comes and wakes me up at five in the morning and my dad had fallen. Um, I'm not sure if he just fell out of the bed or if he had tried to stand up and then had fallen. But my dad, before, I mean, he's still like very muscular, big guy. But before he was, you know, almost 79, he was a almost professional football player. He would have gone and played for the, what are, a football team. What are football teams? Oh, he would have gone and played for, I'm very anti-NFL by the way, because of their treatment of Colin Kaepernick. And I've been on like a one woman crusade for three years to get people to boycott the NFL. And it's only kind of worked in the last month because we all know why, but he would have gone and played for the Kansas, Kansas city chiefs. I think that's what a football team is called. Don't quote me on that. Also, I was about to say the Buffalo bills, but I, that doesn't sound right either. New York giants. I don't know, but it was Kansas city. So he would have gone, um, and then, like, he had two other friends that would have gone with him from Southern University, but uh, he decided not to go because he wanted to stay in Louisiana, and he wanted to get his master's and be a teacher and all that stuff. So he, in his heyday, was, like, 320 pounds, six foot three, and now he's still pretty big and pretty strong for still being uh, almost 79-year-old. So I went back there. I tried to lift him. I couldn't. It's, it was just, like, trying to deadlift. 250 pounds could not do it so we had to call 911 for the second time in four days firefighters had to come it took big three big guys to get him up and then they checked you know his vitals blood pressure blood sugar and his blood pressure was like 80 over 60 no 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 60 over 80 I'm pretty sure which is just like horrifically scary low he was losing consciousness uh and it was kind of the same thing we saw the first time we had to call EMS where he was having kind of tremors and uh it, it, it's like it resembles a seizure, but it wasn't a seizure. It was just that he was he was passing out. So he has had to go back to the hospital. Um, So my mom has had to go back to the hospital. She has not slept in 11 days now, something like that. So yeah, that is where we are. Oh, also I was talking to this guy who I thought was like really cool and great. And then uh, he like flipped the switch on me. So that's over too. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else Mercury has done. Um, okay, I think that's it. Those are the only two things. And like, you know, I can always find another guy. And if that guy wasn't one for me, what does Kali let us know? Like she told us last week, you have to keep that space open for the things that is actually true for you and meant for you. And the thing that's meant for you will always find its way. So if that guy had to remove himself or I had to remove him, then good. Because the space is open now. So I'm not worried about that. Um, but my dad, you know, we're just taking a day at a time. We're trying to get him moved to an inpatient, um, like nursing rehab. So we're working on that today and tomorrow. So yeah, if y'all can just keep sending good vibes and like candles and do rituals and spells and prayers and whatever you feel so compelled to do, we will appreciate it so much. 
Okay, did I say that? I was going to get straight to the point. Because <laughs> I don't know if I set it up that way, but I am actually going to get straight to the point. This is going to just be a mini episode. Um, so the two things I know, I was, so the thing I talked about wanting to do last week, oh, <laughs> talking about how I got a psychic reading and talking about like twin flames and cosmic, karmic relationships and soulmates, right? So that's still on the horizon. I'll probably, I don't know if next week, um, cause I kind of have this new thing that's popped into my head. I really want to do for next week. So maybe we'll put that off for two weeks. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> There's no posting schedule. There's no timeline. There's nothing is set in stone right now because life is so crazy. Oh, also let me say, because I it, it it's impossible for me to actually get to the point and just like get the episode started. Um, I I want everyone listen. I know that the majority of us are impasse and we are very sensitive about what's been going on with COVID. And we are all doing our best. And some of us have had to go back to work because that's your livelihood. And some of us have had to be at work the whole time because we're essential workers. But I just want to say to anyone out there that has had doubts about wearing the mask or has or has the mentality of, well, if we're taking precautions, I can go do whatever I want. If I wear a mask, I can go travel. If I wear a mask, I can go get a manicure. If I wear a mask... Here's the thing. It is the levels of this virus in the United States are truly like unfathomable, except it's actually happening because everyone has been so irresponsible. And I don't just mean on an individual level. I mean, our states have been irresponsible. Our federal government has been irresponsible, neglectful, horrendous, monstrous, all of those words. But I have been telling, okay, so you know, I've been in quarantine for like over a hundred days now. Like I don't play that. (laughs) I don't play that shit. I've been in my house. But I posted this today and I think it kind of got to people. So I just want to share it here too, because it's so important. When my dad was being taken back to the hospital, um, morning before last Saturday morning, Sunday morning, I can't, I don't know days anymore. Sunday morning, EMS came to get him. And I said, well, mom, do you want to get dressed? Do you want to ride in the ambulance? And they said, well, which hospital do you want to go to? And first I said, oh, the general. And they said, oh, well, they're not accepting anyone that isn't like the person being admitted. No one. So I said, okay, well, let's go to the hospital we just came from. And they said, oh, well, you can only go during visiting hours, which are 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And so they wouldn't let my mom go with my dad, who, again, is 79 years old. He is feeble because of his surgery. He was not lucid. And I I don't know what other people's parents' relationships are like if your parents are still together and have been married for a long time. But my parents are like, codependent <laughs> like in good and bad ways like they spend every single day together unless my mom is traveling with me and in that moment I was so scared that if my mom could not go back to the hospital with him and like be with him at night and stuff my dad was just gonna he was just gonna deteriorate and die and that is like the the honest truth like he needs my mom there and failing my mom needs me or my sister there because it's like so important to especially elderly people, especially elderly married people to have that constant, that thing to like make them get out of bed and that thing to kind of center them because being in the hospital can be very disorienting. It, disoriented? Disorienting? That's not a word. You can become very disoriented, especially when what you're dealing with is like cognitive issues as a result of anesthesia. So luckily we called the hospital when visiting hours open. They said, no, 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 you can come right back. 
you can stay with him. You can, there's only one guest. So if someone else, like if I was to go and pick it up, my mom couldn't go back because of the COVID restrictions. People aren't allowed to be with their loved ones because of COVID restrictions. So all that to say, I want you to think when you're thinking, oh, well, I did three months of quarantine. Isn't that enough? I'm bored now. Well, okay. Number one, pandemics don't run on timelines. It's not like COVID looked at it and was like, June 1st, we got to get out of here. That was enough. No, it's not how it works. And when you are thinking like, okay, well, I'm just going to go get one manicure. I'm going to go get one massage. I'm going to go get my hair done one time. I just want to eat one meal I didn't cook. I want you to understand that what you're doing is making people have to be in the hospital alone because the numbers are surging so bad. And there are people in there that are going to die alone, not just of COVID people that have been in car accidents, people that have attempted to hurt themselves, people that have been dealing with illnesses anyway, people that turn up sick this month. When you make these one-off little decisions, or if you're just doing it all the time, if you're just going about your normal life like nothing is going on, what you are doing is sentencing people to die in these hospitals alone. Okay? So I really just would like everyone to sit with that. I know a ton of you are doing the right thing and really the only thing, but I just, I want, because yeah, there's times where I'm like, if I could just get one massage, <laughs> if I could just go on one road trip, I would be perfect. If I could just get my roots done, but it's not worth it for me, number one, to die. And I don't think a lot of people are thinking of that in those terms because people seem to have this really big disconnect with this virus for some reason. I think they're infallible from it and untouchable when they're not. We're all susceptible to it. But if I'm not trying to protect myself and think, oh, is one margarita worth me dying? No. The second question I'm going to ask myself is, is one margarita worth me making sure that someone in a hospital is going to die alone because people can't be with their loved ones when they need them most because COVID is so bad. So I'm not accusing any of you of doing those things. I know that as witches, we're very compassionate, very in tune people. We're very affected and we're impasse and we care about others so much in our community, so much in nature and the world around us so much that we're not going to do anything to put ourselves or our loved ones or just the world at large in jeopardy. But to those of you who are, and I'm not saying you're a bad person, I'm saying maybe you just need to hear a personal perspective. When you make these one-off choices to indulge in luxuries versus just doing necessities that have to be done, you are setting people up to have to die and deteriorate alone in hospitals. And it's horrific. Okay. So sorry to be such a Debbie Downer. I just really wanted to pass on that message. Um, also, not sorry to be a Debbie Downer because it, that's really important. And I don't know. I know that a couple of people reached out and they're like, I didn't really, I didn't really understand the magnitude of like these little decisions I was making thinking that if I wear gloves and masks, then it's okay. That it's still like not okay. So, you know, it's just a tough situation. And 2020 sucks. <laughs> just absolutely sucks. Oh my gosh. Just what the hell is going on with this year? And I thought like we get to June, six months, things are going to turn around. But, you know, Americans just got banned from the EU. So my career is over. <laughs> it's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm laughing so I don't cry. But yeah, like my career that I've built over the last 10 years is essentially over for now. I mean, thank, thank God is for the podcast and I have all of you and I make a little something, something off of this, but you know, it really is like enough to keep the lights on, but yeah, you know, 2020 kind of sucks, but it's okay. We're going to power through it and Mercury does have to eventually spin itself back in the right direction or appear to spin itself back in the right direction. So at least we'll have a little reprieve from that. So we're going to get straight to it. 12 minutes in. <laughs> so what I wanted to do today, really, this is, oh, 
I forgot to say the other thing. Y'all, I'm so out of it still. Um, so I, I know I said I want to do like uh, soulmates and twin flames and uh, karmic relationships either next week or the following week. But the thing that's really, really been in my head that may be next week's episode instead is um, binding spells. I I think it's because I was thinking I want to bind 2020. <laughs> where I came from. And also I was watching The Craft recently because it's like all I ever do. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what are the most iconic parts and scenes of The Craft? And, you know, I was kind of going through different things, but how unbelievable is it when Sarah sits with like the white ribbon and the picture of Nancy and is trying to bind her. So I was like, oh, we have to do binding spells. I think it's such an important thing to have in a witch's arsenal. So we're going to probably do that next week. And then the following week will be um, all that kind of love stuff because my psychic reader told me <laughs> that um, this new person will be coming around in like this kind of time span. And also I will be fully in a relationship by December. So we're committing it to the podcast and we're going to see what happens. And I'm going to tell you more about it. Um, cause I think I told y'all it was for work. Uh, so I'm not going to be, it's not, but it's not me being sponsored for the podcast. I'm just going to tell you about it. Cause I thought it was a really cool experience. And, um, if I won't post who I did it with because it is a paid thing for Instagram, but if you want to, like, personally ask me because you're interested in it, I'll give you the name. But I don't want to, like, you know, just be, like, promoing them for no reason because they're not paying me for the podcast. <laughs> I really just thought it was legit. So mark the, mark my words now. December, apparently your girl's going to be, like, fully enmeshed. Um, but she did tell me you won't be moving anywhere soon. And golly, was she right because Americans can't go anywhere. <laughs> All right. So next week, banishment spells. Um, I'm sorry, binding spells. We already kind of did banishment when we did um, our jar magic. But yeah, next week we'll be binding. And the week after that, we'll get back into some love stuff because we haven't had a love episode in a while. So I can't remember if I told you what we're going to do today or not. <laughs> it's just going to be a mini episode because I wanted to put something out this week and just talk to y'all. You're like, you know, the best part of my week. Um, we're going to continue our guide to knowing your goddesses. Uh, series, but I'm really just going to pull the cards that come up. I'll do, I'll do five, maybe 10. I, I would like to fill up an hour if I can, but y'all forgive me if I can't, because I wasn't even planning on recording this week. I actually lost my voice the first part of the week because Mercury was like, <laughs> you thought girl. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just going to pull them from the deck. It won't be as in-depth where I give you like these full biographies. I'm going to just tell you what the book says about them. But, you know, give my voice a little bit of a rest this week because obviously I'm dealing with a lot and um, letting the goddesses speak, so to speak. <laughs> also, because January 1st is, let's see, ah, my phone. January 1st isn't until January. Am I saying January, y'all? Am I okay? I mean, obviously not. July 1st isn't until Wednesday. So um, I'll do the Patreon shoutouts for all the new people that signed up the following week because I won't actually like have you loaded in until that day. And I certainly don't want to miss anyone because a ton of people have signed up because I don't know, you're all just beautiful little babies and I love you so much. Okay, so let's do, let's do 10. Let's see who comes up. We might have some repeaters in here, but it never hurts to brush up on your goddesses. All right, so... Oh, who wants to be first? Kuan Yin? Oh, no. Hathor. Okay. I said Kuan Yin because some of my cards have um, are, like, really ripped in the back, so I kind of can recognize who they are. 
<laughs> but no, it wasn't her. It was Hathor, who I don't think has come up yet. Well, no time like the present. Okay. Okay, I lied. Um, <laughs> I forgot kind of like how limited some of the biographies in this book, because it, it really is just like a companion booklet, can be for some of these goddesses. And Hathor is such a major like mother figure. I'm going to go from the guidebook that comes with the cards, but then also I'll read, what the heck did I click? I'll read to you from goddessguide.com, which is one of my favorite like reference websites to get into learn goddesses. And that's what I've been using for years and years now um, about her just because she's like major, she's major, major, and she deserves more than a little blurb. So from the book, it says, this beloved Egyptian goddess is represented by the head of a cow to symbolize the sacred animal's life-giving milk and mothering. Hathor is a benevolent sky and sun goddess who helps us all, who helps with all aspects of child conception, birthing, and raising. Call upon Hathor to guide you in nurturing yourself and your loved ones. So yeah, she's like a big deal. So I don't want to just end it there. And I know that, um, so goddessguide.com, if you've ever been on it, it's also not sponsored by goddessguide.com. But if you go, it breaks it down by like Celtic goddesses, Egyptian goddesses, Roman, or is it Roman or Greek? I think it might be both. Anyway, or like, and then like Wiccan figures. So it's really like encyclopedic. It's really easy to go. And I was like, I know Hathor is on there. So we can deep dive her. We're going to, we're probably going to end up deep diving everyone. Okay. So Hathor, the Egyptian goddess. I'm going to read that again because it's the title, but also the first sentence. <laughs> Hathor, the Egyptian goddess, was the beautiful cow goddess who was linked to music, dance, joy, birth, and death. Heavy hitter, right? Origins and genealogy. So it literally is like broken down in these little sections. So it's really easy to take in. Daughter of Nut and the god, the sun god Ra and the, is it Nut or Nut? I think I've always heard it pronounced nut, but I also could just be saying that because of how it's written. If anyone is Egyptian out there or an Egyptologist, which is my dream job, correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> Daughter of Nut and the sun god Ra, in the early myths, she was said to be the mother of Horus and is often depicted as a cow protecting the young Horus within a thicket of papyrus. Ooh, love that. Later, this role is usurped, 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 <laughs> usurped, got it, by Isis, and she was reduced to being his protector. Her strengths, joyful and fun-loving. Oh, I think we could all use that right now. Hey, girl, thanks for showing up. It was through the assimilation of Bata and her sistrum rattle that this goddess's link to music and joy became enhanced. In fact, there were more festivals dedicated to this goddess than any other. Her temples were unusually served by priests of both sexes, musicians, and performers. They also housed midwives and dream interpreters. Love. Love a feminist goddess. <laughs> love that. Love the equality. Love the dream interpretation and like the gift of premonition within that and the midwives and the connection to like divine femininity. Love all that. Okay, weaknesses. She does not know when to stop. Wow. I guess the cars are still going to drag me no matter what I'm going through. <laughs> this darker side of Hathor is shown when she took on the persona of the goddess Sekhmet. In one myth, at the request of her father, she turns into Sekhmet uh, so, she can, so she can punish humans for transgressions against him. When she nearly wipes out all of humanity, same, uh, Ra tries to stop her and eventually succeeds by getting her drunk, also same. Uh, she instantly forgets about her task and goes back to being Hathor. 
Hathor was the Lady of the Stars, a personification of the Milky Way. This was considered to be the special celestial waterway upon which both the sun god Ra and the king sailed. Her name reflects this role as it means domain or house of Horus. In early, in another early myth, the sun god is lifted to the heavens on the head of the celestial cow. As the eye of Ra, she was associated with the solar disk in Venus, the morning and evening star. Later, in the Greco-Roman period, Hathor was also worshipped as a moon deity. She's just everything. Okay, so then another title. Hathor, the Egyptian goddess of birth and death. The Shug, can you be quiet? Okay. She's, she was just laying down next to me and now she's so restless. I'm paying attention to someone that isn't her. That's why. Okay. So the association with the celestial skies also linked her to the flooding of the Nile and the breaking of the waters before birth. Her role as a fertility goddess is also highlighted by one of her titles, the gentle cow of heaven, referring to her plentiful supply of milk, which was used to nurse the Pharaoh. Pharaoh? Pharaoh? Why did I say it like that? <laughs> Making him a divine being. What did I watch that they say Pharaoh? It might be like when you had to, I had to watch Ten Commandments every uh, Easter or Passover because when did they show it on TV? Somewhere in that block. And my grandmother did make me watch it literally every time. Okay. <laughs> so as birth mothers, we're visited by the seven Hathors who determine the fate of their child. Oh, I'm sorry. After birth, comma, there's no comma there. Mothers were visited by the seven Hathors who determined the fate of their child. In later times, Hathor, the Egyptian goddess, became identified with another cow, goddess Bata, who, was turn, who in turn was connected to Ba, an aspect of the soul. This is how she came to be associated with the afterlife. In the underworld books, Hathor is described as goddess of the West. Her arms are outstretched as she welcomes the setting sun and greeted the dead as they began their journey. That's beautiful. I, wow, that's really beautiful. Okay, so Hathor symbolism. The sistrum rattle, the horns and sun disc headdress, the minette, a ritual musical necklace, and mirrors were all associated with this goddess. Huh, interesting. We're going to be talking about mirrors coming up soon, too. Hathor, the Egyptian goddess, was, a depic was depicted as the winged cow of creation who gave birth to the universe. Can I just pause and say I love all this cow symbolism because I feel like cows are really beautiful and sacred and lovely. And I, I mean, I know they're like a major source of food for uh, people that eat meat. I mean, I eat meat. I have tried to give it up uh, on occasion and go back to being a pescatarian, but uh, my body doesn't function that well without it because of other health issues I have. But I just, I feel like we kind of take them for granted because we do think of them as food, but they are gorgeous and they're divine and I love them. So I love that we're getting like all of this good cow energy. In fact, I have some really cute cow shoes I've been wearing lately. I'm feeling very connected right now. Okay, so Hathor, the Egyptian goddess, was depicted as a winged cow of creation who gave birth to the universe. While there are some depictions of Hathor as a woman with a cow's head, this is mainly found only in the latter periods. She was also shown as a woman, falcon, hippopotamus, obsessed with that, cobra, and a lioness. And then it just, at the end, it kind of break, it breaks things down Um you know, if you're like taking notes, if you're really trying to memorize your goddesses. So sacred animals, cow, hippopotamus, cobra, lioness, sacred bird, falcon, sacred plants, myrtle, and sycamore trees, Greek equivalent, the Greeks identified her with Aphrodite. Archetypes of the Egyptian goddess Hathor, the mother. I think we know that by now. <laughs> the mother archetype is a life giver and the source of nurturing devotion, patience, and unconditional love. 
The ability to forgive and provide for her children and put them before herself is the essence of a good mother. In its shadow aspect, the mother can be devouring, abusive, or abandoning. The shadow mother can also make her children feel guilty and become about becoming independent and leaving her. Hathor, the Egyptian goddess, because we always have like dualities, right? Uh, everything has two sides. Two sides of the coin, as I used to always love to say. Hathor, the Egyptian goddess, is a mother figure because of a solar deity she brings fertility as a solar deity, she brings fertility to the land. The goddess is also linked to the birth and nursing of infants. Um, in fact, I know I just read her little bio blur, but I'll go back and read you the meanings of the card because the mother thing is like super important. And I know a lot of us, not us, let me not say us. <laughs> I know a lot of you out there, um, especially in quarantine, have been like, hey, maybe this is a time we should focus on maybe preparing for a child or have been dealing with fertility issues. It's something that is so rampant and you're definitely not alone in that. And so she is a great goddess to be in, you know, kinship with. Because she does, she's like the, I think of her as like the mom. <laughs> I mean, they're all our moms, but I think of her as like the mother card when I get her. Okay, so the myth about half, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, nursing. Okay, so then her next archetype is the lover. This archetype represents passion and selfless devotion to another person. It also extends to the things that make our hearts sing, like music, art, or nature. The shadow aspect is obsessive passion that completely takes over and negatively impacts your health and self-esteem. Again, drag me. Okay, so <laughs> the myths about Hathor, her union with the creator, made her a patroness of lovers. Hathor's festivals were also associated with wild dancing, feasting, and drunkenness. Don't go out and do that yet. you got to wait until these numbers fall again. Okay, and then um, the final... Oh, let me not say that. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm right. The final part is how to work with these archetypes. The mother. You can have this archetype without being a biological mother. It represents an overwhelming desire to nurture and grow something and, and can therefore include projects, plants. I would also add ideas, facilitating other kinds of relationships, um, manifesting for sure. It's really about like, and not just strictly for women or by or sorry, assist women. It's not just strictly like I know I'm one of those two when I see something about fertility or motherhood, I'm like, no, no, please, <laughs> please, no, don't, I don't, I don't want it. But a lot of the times we so associate fertility with this one idea, right? Which is like low key patriarchal that we do that, but we're all fertile in so many different ways. And especially as witches, we're, all, we're fertile. And the fact that we give birth to spells and rituals, you know, so it definitely doesn't have to be like, I have had a child, so the mother these mother goddesses, this mother position is something only I can work in. We can all do it. Fertility is a very varied and diverse and beautiful thing. But also it can literally be like, I have birthed a child. So this is like where I feel comfortable. This is the station of life that I'm in. I am an old crone, as you all know. So that is where I am most comfortable. <laughs> okay. So you are exhibiting the features of the shadow mother. If you smother your, cho your children or are overprotective, encourage independence and allow children to make mistakes, but be available to give care and advice when it's needed. The other shadow mother is the one that abandons her children or is busy, so busy that she has no time for nurturing her young. And then for the lover, and this part again is how to work with these archetypes. You may be drawn to this stereotype if you are looking to attract a new lover <laughs> or to reignite the fire in an existing relationship. Also, my psychic reader was like, oh, this person is like around you. Is Has anyone been coming back from your past? And I was like, please, no. I'd rather be alone than <laughs> from my past. Well, except for the Swedish one, because like, who knew that, that was the ticket out and I should have taken it when I had the chance. Oh my goodness. I could have my career back. Anyway, 
so yeah, that's what she said. Uh, the lover can also be a useful tool to discover what you are passionate about in life. So we talk about it all the time too. Like love is not just romantic love. It is love. It's fire. It's passion. It's devotion. It's familial. It's friendly. It's with yourself. Like love is such a varied aspect. And so I, I love this card and I love Hathor and I love what we're reading about her because it does show us how varied these idea of like the mother, the lover, like it doesn't have to be this strict thing where it's really this whole realm that we're allowed to explore and walk in and work with. On the shadow side, you need to ask whether the amount of energy and time you are putting into relationships or enthusiasm for projects is excessive. If this continues for too long, you are likely to suffer from stress and physical ill, physically ill health. I don't think that last sentence was written quite right. But yeah, so that is all about our beloved Hathor. She is amazing. That's why I was like, let me just, I know I said we're just going to not have a long episode. And I'll just read you from the book, but no, we, the second she popped up, I was like, we have to get all up in her story. Okay. So I am going to read from the book as well. I'll go back to her uh, messages and the meanings of her, her ugh, the meaning of her card, because I do feel like it's really important to hear for any mother's parents out there. And also anyone that is a woman, you know, no matter how you identify, how you have come to your like perfect womanhood for yourself. Um, I think that we all know from our experience that we are expected to be like gentle and quiet and satisfied with whatever the world gives us. And then also take on the brunt of everything (laughs) and be like perfect and be super, but also not ever ask for help, not ever make any demands of anyone to be beautiful and quiet, but also carry the weight of the world. Insane. So this is a really important message. The um, first like meaning at the top of her card, I did the thing where I showed it to you. You can't see me is uh, receptivity. And then the message on the card is allow yourself to receive. This will increase your intuition, energy, and ability to give to others. And then here's her message. You have a maternal side to you that naturally cares for those in need. Yet this must be balanced with receptivity. Why is that? I I keep wanting to say reciprocity because... I'm in the musical Chicago. I don't even know if that's a reference. (laughs) I feel like they used it in a song. Anyway, we don't have time for this. Um, uh, Or the flow is blocked. Receiving is the essence of feminine energy. and And it means allowing yourself to receive with grace and gratitude. If you have, if you feel guilty, wow. If you feel guilty, not guilty, <laughs> when asking others for help, or if you feel bad about receiving gifts, then you block your feminine energy. And remember, that is for all of us. We all harbor like a little bit of everything. Um, receptivity allows you to better hear the voices of the angels. When you receive, you have more resources to give to others. Uh, begin by noticing the hundreds of gifts you receive each day, whether it's seeing beauty in nature, witnessing a touching human moment, or being hugged by a loved one. Simply say thank you for each gift and know that they're filling up your storehouse, keeping the divine flow going strong. So that is the message and then the meanings. Be still and listen. Release guilt about receiving. So I feel like she's calling me out again. Um, like this is something in particular I'm dealing with right now because my dad is going through all this stuff. My mom's going out through all this stuff. I in turn am going through all this stuff. And so many people have reached out and they're like, uh, you know, they have sent gift cards They for food. They're like, let me buy you groceries. Let me order whatever y'all want for dinner. Let me just send you some money so like you can do what you need to do. And it's very hard for me to accept that. 
And not just because I have always been a really strong person. I am like the strong person in my family. I'm the person that can be very rational. I know, LOL, like I'm a Pisces <laughs> and I cry all the time, but really I'm the one that like kind of holds down everything and takes care of everything. Um, you know, not to say my mom and dad don't, but I'm very, I'm very nurturing and maternal to both of them. Uh, and so it is hard for me to ask for help in a state of, I'm just used to doing everything and just not complaining about, I mean, no, I, I complain about it, but not being like, I can't do it. What am I going to do? I just, I do it. And then I worry about the trauma that it's causing me later, honestly. So that's been hard, but it's also hard for me to receive from other people knowing that like other people don't have what I have. Other people, you know, have less privilege than me. They have less money than me. They have less access than me. They have less resources than me. So, and I'm not saying that's like everyone that has reached out, but I, it does make me feel guilty to accept money or food or anything from anyone else because I'm like, but I can do it. But the, the point is I shouldn't be worried about those things right now. I should be worried about like myself and my family and like getting my dad back to healthy and making sure my mom's okay. But it is, it's very hard to receive and not feel guilty about it. I would never ask, you know, I, well, let me not say that because you never know what's going to happen in life, but it would take like something major, <laughs> like way more major than what we're all dealing with now uh, for me to like put up my Venmo or put up uh, like a GoFundMe or something and ask for that kind of help because I, I just feel like, no, I can figure it out. I, I can take it on. It's going to be okay. Give it to people that like really, really, really need it. Like I, I got this, but, and it's guilt. It's like, I don't want to take from people that need something more than me. But the reality of the situation is there's always going to be people that need more than me. And there's always going to be people that have more than me. And so I, I'm, what I'm trying to work through right now is like, why do I feel guilty for like taking from my community when I need it, when I'm, I'm so quick to give it back or to pay it forward or to, you know, return, return the, that love or that support at some point. So it is, it's really hard. And I know that again, like as women and not to say just cis, cisgender women, but as women, we, we do have these things put on us like, Oh, why can't you be the perfect woman and wife and mother all at once? Why do you need help with anything? <laughs> you know? And so it makes us feel shame and guilt for, not living up to an impossible standard that the patriarchy has set, which literally has nothing to do with us because the patriarchy shouldn't be running us. We shouldn't be like ascribing to that. And yeah, so Hathor is a really great reminder that when we don't ask for help, it's not just that we're like physically and emotionally running ourselves down, but we're spiritually running ourselves down and that we need to, being a giver is just a one way street. And it's not good enough because people take, 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 take. But then I can't be like, this person has taken everything from me because I'm giving it so willingly and then not taking anything back from anywhere else. It's just like, uh, what's that? Never mind. <laughs> I was about to go on a thing about this tattoo Angelina Jolie has. But it's just because the word nourish is stuck in my head right now. It's what she's like. She keeps saying to me, nourish, nourish, nourish. And like, you have to nourish yourself and be able to nourish others. So you, sometimes you do have to take and not just give. So anyway, all that to say, it's a very important reminder that it's not even that it, you have to be okay accepting things from people, especially when you need it, but you have to be okay with asking for it. And that's, I'm, I'm working on it. <sighs> working on it. It's hard. I'm really used to being independent and doing everything, but that's, that does not a good witch make. It, it makes a bad witch because then I will have nothing else to give any of you. 
or to give my own work, you know, or to give my family. Okay. So uh, continuing on after that 10 minute tangent, (laughs) the next thing is ask for help. Huh? How about that? (laughs) Increase psychic awareness. Know that you're in a learning cycle. If that isn't the damn truth about this year, Um, healing is occurring. Amen for that. Be more in your feminine energy. And again, that goes for all of us, no matter how you identify, there is femininity, there is masculinity, there is something in between and something without all within us. So don't be afraid to, you know, like embrace that feminine side. And then the last thing, um, and this, this may be a message for some of you out there. Um, she's kind of everything. Sorry. She's talking at once. Um, I'm talking and she's talking at the same time and I need to, she's saying like, okay, all of this is a message for everybody, but this last message is for someone in particular. So just listen. I mean, you're all listening, but I mean like listen extra careful because this part isn't just me talking at you. This is a message for you. Um, Child conception, pregnancy or birth, including adoption or favorable custody arrangements are issues in your life. And the word she's throwing at me right now is like persevere. Like it's, it might be a little tremulous right now, but just like persevere, persevere through it because it's going to, it's going to fall into place. I don't know who that's for, but she, do you want somebody to know somebody's to know that these are things that you're facing right now, but she's showing me like push, like keep pushing, push through, push through. So there you go. All right. Hathor, thank you for all that. <laughs> so geez, we're at 37 minutes. I haven't. I'm still on the first one. Yeah, we're probably not going to do 10. <laughs> okay, listen, I just recorded like 10 minutes and then went back and was like, what are you talking about? Um, but basically, I went into all of my favorite podcasters because I just, I got into my head. It just clicked in that most of my favorite pod- podcasts are done by other black creators. So I will put that at the end of this episode if you want to hold on and listen to it. But let's stay in the rhythm with our goddesses. And the second goddess that we got tonight is Bost. So, fast, fast, fast. Okay, so um, I had a feeling we would get some Egyptians going tonight, and yeah, she popped out. So let's get it going. Okay, so let's read from the book first. I um, if you have seen Black Panther, there's a couple of times where they say, "Oh, praise Bost." That's this is who they're talking about, which I thought was like a little cool note in there because she is this like feline goddess. So I read you more, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I, I did like that, that that was like mentioned a few times in the movie. Um, I, I didn't even pick it up until I had on subtitles. But I was like, Oh, I know her. <laughs> okay, so her blurb in the book is um, the Egyptian goddess Bast transforms into a cat each night and protects her family and those who call upon her with her all seeing night vision. She exhibits the cat-like traits of the feminine, which includes gracefulness, independence, playfulness, and intuition. Bast also works with cat lovers to help their feline companions. The daughter of the sun god Ra, huh? Talked about him. Uh, Bast has the rare distinction of being both a moon and sun goddess. Jealous. I'm very jealous of that. That sounds cool. Okay, back to goddessguide.com. Bast, the Egyptian cat goddess. Areas of influence. Bast, the Egyptian cat goddess. I love how it gives a title and then the first sentence is the exact same thing. The Egyptian cat goddess had numerous areas of influence that developed over time. 
She became both a nurturing mother figure and a terrifying avenger. In the early days... <sighs> I just realized I am reading this like I'm doing story time at the local library with my inflections. <laughs> Gather around, witch babies. Okay, in the early days, she was the fierce lion-headed goddess of the lower Nile. Nile. I don't know why every word I'm saying is hitting my ear so weird. Who protected the pharaoh and the sun god Ra. This is why she has the title of goddess of protection. In this role, she became goddess of the rising sun and holder of the Achat, the all-seeing eye of Horus. Later, the Egyptian cat goddess was depicted with the head of a domestic cat, representing her more nurturing aspects. Well, that nurture word is like all up in here. Uh, woman of the t- women of the time would buy amulets of this goddess illustrated with different numbers of kittens, representing the number of children they wished to have. I love that. That's so cool. The links to fertility and childbirth were further strengthened by the Greeks. They likened this goddess to Artemis, and she also became associated with the moon and children. As a cat goddess, she also protected houses from rats and snakes and so ensured the health of the occupants. This goddess is also identified with Nubian cat, depicted with the body of a spotted cat and the head of a Nubian woman. Gorgeous. This comes from a myth about a distant goddess as the daughter of Ra quarrels with her father and retreats to the desert. Although she was the only cat goddess in Egyptian mythology, there were other feline goddesses included, Minhit, Parket, and Sekhmet. More facts about Bast. 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 Uh, She was also known by several different names, including Bastet, Bastet, Bubastis, Ubasti, and Pasht. The name Pasht is the root of our word passion, linking this goddess to physical pleasure. A patron goddess of firefighters due to the unusual Egyptian belief that if a cat ran through a burning household, she would draw the flames out behind her. It's so cool. (laughs) I love learning. Okay. In the Book of the Dead, she is mentioned as destroying the bodies of the deceased with a royal flame if they failed the judgment hall of Mott. I think Mott came up up in one of the earlier one of the earlier one of the earlier goddess episodes i wish i could remember um if she comes out tonight we'll just we'll circle back to her the goddess was linked to the music and dance due to the ca- the special rattle that she carried known as the sistrum same with Hathor. uh these special rattles were used to celebrate her festivals she was connected with perfumes as she was as she shares a hieroglyph with that which represents the bass jar her name, therefore, probably means she of the ointment jar. These ceramic vessels used to hold expensive perfumes. Perhaps this is why she's also said to give protection against contagious diseases, as many of the perfumes' ingredients were plant materials with healing properties. Sounds like some green witch shit if I've ever heard of it. Origins and genealogy. In common with many Egyptian goddesses, her lineage is complicated. She was the daughter of Ra, and in and in common with several other goddesses, she was known as the Eye of Ra, consort. In addition to being Ra's daughter, she was also his consort. Different times. Uh, children. <laughs> with Ra, she had a son named Mahes, also known as Mihos, who was also a lion god. Although this goddess is associated with Lower Egypt, her roles in mythology often become merged with Sekhmet, another feline goddess from Upper Egypt. In this form, her consort is Ptah, and she bore him another son called Nefertem. Mut later absorbed her identity together with that of Wajet to become Mut Wajet Bast before also taking over the identities of Sekhmet and Nekhibet. <sighs> I'm trying with these names, y'all. I'm so sorry if they're not good. Um, strengths, protector, sensual and caring mother figure, weaknesses, chameleon-like and fierce when threatened. 
symbolism and worship. Portrayed as a lion-headed, portrayed as a lion. Yes, okay. Portrayed as a lion-headed or cat-headed woman. She was also often shown with kittens. That's so cute. She carried an ankh, representing the breath of life and papyrus. Papyrus. Wow, papyrus. One symbolizing Lower Egypt. She's associated with all-seeing eye, the Utchat, and a rattle, the Sistrum. Statuses of this Egyptian goddess would be placed in households to protect them from thieves, sacred animals, lions, and domestic cats. Sacred plants? Catnip. Festivals. Her festival was known as the Babustis. Wow. Bubashtis was held in May. According to Herodotus. Her festivals were licentious and popular affairs celebrated with music, dancing, and drinking. No wonder she was considered the goddess of pleasure. Temples. Her main cult and temple was centered around the ancient city of Per-Bast. It was here that the remains of over 300,000 cat mummies were discovered. Holy, that's so cool. The city was later renamed Bubastis and even today is known as Tel-Basta. Although her cult was centered in Bubastis, she was worshipped in temples and households throughout the whole of the Lower Nile region. In 2010, National Geographic magazine reported that a new temple dedicated to the goddess had been found in Alexandria. <sighs> History is the coolest. Okay, so her archetypes. The warrior represents physical strength and the ability to protect and fight for your rights and those of others. Whilst the shadow side of the warrior reflects the need to win at all costs, abandoning ethical principles to prove your supremacy. Hmm... <laughs> to that <sighs> sounds like some people are in the um the shadow side of being the warrior and trying to enforce certain supremacies that are not good for us in totality this cat goddess is a warrior protecting her father and the pharaoh as a mother cat figure she is fierce in the protection of her young she has seven arrows that emanate destructive that emanate destructive demonic energy the lover represents passion and selflessness devotion to other pe person Devotion to another person. It also extends to the things that make our hearts sing, like music, art, or nature. The shadow aspect is obsessive passion that completely takes over and <laughs> affects on your health and self-esteem. Oh, that's interesting. That's two, two, two times I came up tonight. Hmm, okay. Um, <laughs> this Egyptian goddess had many lovers. She is also associated with the pleasures of music, dancing, and perfumery. How to work with these archetypes. The warrior. If you're drawn to work with this stereotype, you may require the warrior spirit to help you to stand up for your rights and set firm personal boundaries. This stereotype is helpful if you want to take control of your life and no longer wish to play the role of the victim. You may also choose to call upon the warrior to champion the cause of others. Conversely, the warrior may appeal to you if you have a very strong sense of self and are proud of the victories you have achieved. The shadow side of this goddess may be asking you to reflect honestly on the cost of these victories. Have you have they been at the expense of others or your principles? The lover. You may be drawn to this stereotype if you are looking to attract a new lover or to reignite the fire in an existing relationship. Okay, girls, I get it. <laughs> Go out and clear, ladies. The lover can also be a useful tool to discover what you're passionate about in life. On the shadow side, you need to ask whether the amount of energy... We did all this already. Um, is it too excessive? And if it is so excessive, is it to the point that it will cause you physical or emotional stress or uh, harm or ill health? So that is Bost, another amazing... Oh, wait, I have to read you her thing from the book. Okay, so her message is... So on the card, it says independent. Hey, Papa. <laughs> She's like, why are you talking about cats so much, you traitor? Your independence is the foundation for your strength and success. Message from Bost. Like the cat, you're 
fiercely independent, yet you also need affection and playful companions. Now is the time to balance your social interactions with solitude. While you may ask others for their opinions, ultimately you must make your own decisions. Your freedom and independence are top priorities, so ensure that these characteristics are nurtured. Various meanings of the card. Spend time alone. Give yourself permission to play. Ask for your needs to be met. Ding, ding, ding. That's coming up again. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask and not just receive quietly. Put yourself out there. Make your own decisions. Work with cats. Pay attention to your pet feline and or get a new cat. So all of you out there with a cat, kitty cat familiar, um, you know, use this time to connect further with them. All right. Who is next? You're at 48 minutes. Sugar. <laughs> Such an attitude. She's she's so put out. I usually I'm doing I usually record in another room, but since I'm, you know, just here, I've been recording in this other room that she's actually in with me. I usually take a break from her, but she is like, what is happening? Did we get I think we got Luna already. Okay, let's try again cuz I think she, Hold on. Pup wants to go outside. Okay, we're back <laughs> with the new goddess. Um so the next one I was kind of thinking we would be an all Egyptian night, but we have Ishel and she is a Mayan goddess. So I'm going, she isn't on goddess guy, but I just did a quick little reference. Um, cause I want to give you a more well-rounded no, uh, knowledge of her. So from the book, we'll do that. And then we'll go and see this article I just found. Uh, so Ishel has been revered since ancient times as the Mayan moon goddess who with her husband, the sun God gave birth to all the other Mayan gods. As the embodiment of the moon, Ishel is intimately connected to the tides of the water. She is believed to control rainflow in all aspects of water. In fact, she's called Lady Rainbow. I'm obsessed with that. Okay, as her essence is infused with the water droplet prisms that create rainbows. As a mother goddess, Ishel helps with fertility and childbirth. She's also a powerful healer who remembers the origins of human life upon this planet. She can connect you with your foundational roots as a spiritual healer. So that is very true. Um, her card, I find, typically appears to other healers. So she's one that I got early on, um, something that was kind of like a confirmation for me from what I was told by other witches. And yeah, whenever I get her, I'm like, oh, well, if you have any questions about your divine calling, healing is definitely a part of your wheelhouse. So here is even more about Yashelle because we have got to talk about her. It's wearing a lot of mother energy. Am I pregnant? I mean, it is physically impossible for me to be so. Um, but, you know, it's really interesting. When I was reading my own cards like a week ago, I got Damara, who is also basically like, children will be entering your life soon. And I keep telling, like, my two best female friends, it's one of them. <laughs> keep being like, no, 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 it's not one of us. And one of them already has a baby, Fallon. So <laughs> I think it might be her. But they both claim it's not. And it can't be me. But I don't know. There's, there's something afoot for sure. Okay, so Ishel is a Maya jaguar goddess of the moon, midwifery, fertility, rains, rainbows, sacred healing, and medicine, weaving, and death. The name Ishel has many Maya, Mayan interpretations, but loosely it means lady rainbow. I'm, I'm so obsessed with that. Or goddess of iridescent light. I also saw that um, one interpretation can be goddess of, or um, the one with pale, the pale face. And that is supposed to be like a connection with the kind of way, the waiting pale face of the moon and how it looks in our sky. But lady rainbow, we have to go with that. It's the best. She is associated with all bodies of water, especially areas of rainbows or shimmering lights, such as waterfalls, rivers, lakes, etc. I'm getting so much peace talking about her right now. Do y'all feel that? 
just thinking about like the glittering surface of water and like the death below and how cool and calm it is. It's, it's really like, I feel like I can take a deep breath and just exhale it right now. Okay. She is a moon and weather goddess who controls the rains and influences and influences all water. She is also honored as the weaver of the life cycle and her whirling drop spindle is said to be at the center of the motion of the universe. As a midwife goddess, she protects the fertility of women and helps ensure a healthy birth by overturning her sacred wound jar so that the water flow waters flow. The snake on her head signifies she is a goddess of medicine. All plant medicine and sacred, sacred healing is under her domain. Truly a gateway goddess. Uh, she is also the keeper of the souls of the dead. These like life and death cycles that all of them are presenting. It's just intense. Okay. So triple goddess, we all know what the triple goddess is. Um, so this is particular for Ishal. Triple goddesses are goddesses who embody three main aspects, maiden, mother, chrome. Ishal is definitely an example of this. Maiden, her, in her, I'm getting so excited because I like, I don't know, my heart is racing, but I also feel just like kind of calm. I don't know. I feel like she's like, <laughs> she's bringing me this really like joyous feeling. I don't know. Okay. Uh, in her maiden aspects, Ishelle is a young goddess of fertility and medicine. She is often seen with her rabbit companion. Rabbits are symbols of both fertility and the moon. Sometimes shown as, sometimes shown with fish, other fertility symbol. The snake on her head shows her connection to sacred medicine. Mother. This is her mother aspect. As mother goddess, she is associated with weaving in the moon. She sends dreams to weavers and healers. All weavers are said to receive their pattern with Ishelle herself and their dreams. In this aspect, she is typically not shown with her snake headdress. This is because only the maiden and crone have time and energy to heal others. In the mother phase, Ishelle is busy raising, healing, and caring for her own brood. 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 <laughs> crone in her crown aspect she again wears her snake headdress showing she is the goddess of medicine and healing she is the wise healer and midwife who empties her sacred womb vessel to get the waters flowing it is also in this aspect that she is the keeper of the souls of the dead talk about just like everything she like sun and moon she's the alpha omega like she encompasses all of life from birth to death it's amazing okay so um then let's jump down to uh, symbols and magical attributes. Use these items with intention on your altar if, or in your daily rituals to welcome the energy of Ishel. The moon rainbows. So also, like, if you don't want to work with her, if you don't want to have her in particular on your altar or a shrine to her, these are just symbols that are also just attributed to her for, like, knowledge's sake. Okay, so uh, the moon rainbows, weather, rains, waters, water vessels, pitches, vases, and sacred womb jar by pitches with that. I think that's supposed to be pitchers. Maybe I'm wrong, but pitcher is like the thing that pops into my head. Uh, jaguars. I know it's not easy for many of us to work with jaguars, but they are pretty sacred rabbits, fish, snake, dragonflies. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I forgot to say that I have been getting swarmed by dragonflies in the last, since my dad essentially went to the hospital every Time I take a step outside or if I'm in my car, a dragonfly comes around me. Oh my gosh. I wonder if it's her. I meant to look up dragonfly symbolism to start this episode off with and talk about like dra dragonflies and using them in your practice. And I totally forgot until I just read that. But I kid you not. And it, the first couple of times I saw them, I was like, oh, it's that time of year. There's dragonflies in Louisiana. Like that's nothing new. But I mean, when I tell you they're bumping into my car window when I'm driving to and from the hospital, 
or like to my, my grandma's house if I have to drop something to her. They're literally like whizzing by my head when I walk just outside of my own house. They're kind of like just passing by. Because a few times I was like, is that a wasp? Because I don't play that game, honey. I don't play. I love bees. I don't play with wasps. But I've seen 10 dragonflies in like the last handful of days. Okay, so <laughs> that was really intense for me. Uh, anyone else, by the way, having like major dragonflies just in and out of your life, they, they've been so present. I, I need to actually circle back. In fact, if any of you green witches out there who uh, spend way more time outside than I do have info on the symbolism of um, of dragonflies or like kind of what news they bring or anything like that, please let me know. Okay. All weaving arts in the drop spindle. Plant medicine, the sacred healing arts, flowers, especially pink and white ones, all of the colors of the rainbow, copal, passion flower, rainbow, moonstone, and turquoise. Ooh, I have a turquoise ring. I'm going to start wearing it. Um, let's sip down a little bit. This article is definitely more of like a, a how-to along with back, back, <laughs> wow, background biographical information. So I am going to talk about this part. Um, but I'm not saying like anyone has to work with her, especially, and, and also I'm not saying like I'm an expert in working with her. If there is anyone who does work with her, who is, uh, from the Mayan lineage, Mayan, uh, culture, Mayan tradition and your background, and you would like to expand upon this, please do correct me where I'm wrong. I'm just going off of this thing that, um, I pulled up that kind of read most in line with me. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to read this part because I think the talking about the plants that are native to her are just good information to have in like a historical mythological sense. But you know, it's, it's just information to have. So Ishal and the Maya civilization originate from the Yucatan region and peninsula of South America. Some of the plants and trees sacred to this area include copal, passionflower, plumeria, or uh, frangipani. That's the best smell on earth. When I was in Bali, it was just like frangipani everywhere, everywhere. It smells so good. And I just, I just should have stayed in Bali. <laughs> I, I didn't know. Um, habanero chilies, mangoes, avocados, papaya, pomegranate, bananas, plantains, lemons, palms, agave, aloe vera, and many others. Doesn't that sound lovely? Not only is she Lady Rainbow, it's like everything goddess, but then all the association with her, it's almost like you can taste it and smell it, like the sweetness and the potentness, the potency of all the things that are associated with her. Oh, I stand. I have no choice. I have no choice but to. Um, respectfully incorporating these resins, flowers, herbs, and food into your daily rituals is a terrific way to honor Ishelle and to bring her magic into your life and magical practice. They're also, they also make great offerings to the goddess. So, um, let me just pause. That's kind of when I wanted to read it. Let me just pause there and say one of my very favorite people just, just started a, um, resin line. Well, she's been doing it pretty much since COVID took hold and she's been quarantining. Um, and then I was like, put it on Etsy. Hey, you should put it on Etsy. Hey, if you put this on Etsy, I'll buy it. <laughs> so basically, I just bullied her into putting it on Etsy and then starting an Instagram for it. Anyway, I'll share it if anyone wants to look at it. But I just bought like three different pieces that are resin with all of these beautiful flowers and plants encapsulated in them. So between the dragonflies and me just like picking up this resin thing recently, it's kind of blowing my mind. But it's a good reminder that I need to be present in like my gifts as a healer, because I 
you know, it's stress. I, I'm stressed not just about my personal situation. We're all stressed about all of these things going on. So that's really beautiful. And I guess I've been kind of doing it anyway, even though I have not <laughs> been actively doing anything, but just trying to be a good daughter and, you know, be there for my family and also be black and be black in this world and try to, you know, do everything I can for my people. Okay. So this is her message. Okay. So it says medicine woman on her card. And then it says on the card at the bottom, you are our channel for divine healing power. And here's the message. Commanding power is not the same as demanding it. Demanding comes from a childlike place akin to a tantrum based upon the fear that it might be withheld. Commanding is based upon the sure and steady knowledge that you are part of the great spirit's grace and wisdom. You're a lightning rod that can conduct the power. Simply connect to the power through unyielding clarity of your thought processes. Don't waver for a moment in your sure and steady decision to be a conduit of the power that already resides within you. Connect to the even bigger source and allow it to amplify your natural power. In this way, you're a steady connector to the, of the infinite, from the infinite, and to the infinite. In other words, it's all spirit around you, through you, and to whomever you're healing. And I really love that imagery of like putting your hand out or like putting your wand out and just you could almost kind of see it like the energy that emanates from it and how it I always think of think I've used this before but when I was in a ballet class for years and years they'd always say like oh you're not you're always looking past your fingertips or like you're reaching past something that you could actually touch or like invisible string coming out of the top of your head to make your posture (laughs) better so that's how I think of it like everything's an extension and even past the physical thing that we can see like our hands our fingers our wands it extends and it radiates way past that. So I I like that imagery a lot. And so meanings of the card, you're a healer, you're being healed, this situation and or your loved one is being healed, please, I I hope. Um, Honor your healing knowledge and abilities, learn about healing, teach the healing arts, start or continue your healing practice. So that beautiful lady rainbow, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else. That is gorgeous. I love that. Okay, so we're an hour in and we've only done three. Uh, okay, let's do two more. We're already here. Okay, baddies, <laughs> finally happens. I don't think she showed up in any other episodes that were like gods to guides to knowing your goddesses but we finally have the one and only Rhiannon okay so <laughs> strangely enough she is not she's also not on guidance goddess guide I'm getting all of my g's confused um but I am going to read about her from another website so you can get like kind of her mythology but if you know the song <laughs> you know Stevie Nicks would uh started with this is a song about a Welsh witch so I just Um, I am so tempted to sing the song to you, but who, no one wants that (laughs) at all. So let's read her blurb from the book and then we'll get into her mythology a bit more about Rhiannon (sighs) or Rhiannon. I admittedly have a hard time saying her name and I don't know. I said this before. I don't know if it's because I, in my head, I think about how I pronounce Rihanna, but the Rhiannon, I try to say Rhiannon, which is correct but I do I will kind of make it gross and southern and say Rhiannon so apologies in advance for that okay so about Rhiannon the lunar Welsh witch oh sorry I called her a witch I mean (laughs) so okay this lunar Welsh goddess's name means great queen 
Now she serves important functions, including being the muse of inspiration for poets, artists, and royalty. She lovingly carries souls from Earth to the afterlife plane upon her trusty white horse. We've seen that so much tonight. Um, helping them adjust in transition of life after death. A shapeshifter, Rhiannon, did that sound okay? I hope so, can appear to you as an animal, bird, or song. Should I sing it? No, I'm not going to sing it. Okay. <laughs> Call upon her for help with manifestations, hello vision board, spirit communications, transitions, or artistic inspirations. Oh, I love her. I love her. Okay. So let's deep dive goddess Rhiannon. Um, so things to know about her in general, that she's associated with the moon, gates, the wind, the number seven, and horseshoes, her sacred white horse. Animal associations are horses, frogs, dogs, and puppies. Pup. No, she's knocked out. She doesn't care. Um, Shilly is not a familiar in any sense of the word. She's a pet, but we'll talk about that more in another episode. Songbirds, dragons, badgers, and hummingbirds. I have to put up the hummingbird feeder. Plants, all white flowers, rosemary, sage, narcissus, pansies, daffodil, cedar, and pine. Incense oils, scents, lavender, geranium, narcissus, sandalwood, bergamot, and neroli. I love bergamot. It's very slept on. I don't know if I've talked about this, but um, I think it's like everything and I use it for everything. Uh, metals and stones, crystal quartz, clear quartz, bloodstone, silver, gold, cat's eye, moonstone, amethyst, garnet, ruby, and turquoise. Colors, white, silver, red, gray, dark green, gold, maroon, black, brown. Those good of the earth in the earth, earth tone colors. So good. Element Earth. <laughs> Day Monday. Offerings music. Inspiration art. It, it's music, but I'm saying like the insp inspiring music of art, of creativity, of projecting that creativity into the world. Planet and or celestial body, as I'm calling it, the moon. Moon phase waning. And then March 1st is the Feast of Rhiannon. So let's read more about her. The Celtic moon goddess Rhiannon was... Blech, I've been reading too much. The Celtic moon goddess Rhiannon was born at the first moon rise and is known as the divine queen of fairies. She is the goddess of fertility, rebirth, wisdom, magic, transformation, beauty, artistic inspiration, and poetry. Rhiannon manifests as a beautiful young woman dressed in gold, riding a pale horse with singing birds flying around her head. The singing birds can wake spirits or grant sleep to mortals. Much of what we know of her comes from the ancient Welsh folklore book. Okay. What I know of the Welsh language is that it is hardly pronounced as it is spelled. So I am going to spell this for you rather than say it. And if there are any Welsh listeners, anyone that is Welsh heritage and can do a correct pronunciation, please let me know. So the M-A-B-I-N-O-G-I-O-N by Lady Charlotte Guest. If I was going to say it phonetically... I would say the Mabinogen, but that is not correct. <laughs> Cannot possibly be. Okay, there are going to be some Welsh words in here. Work with me. While out riding one day, Powell Lord of the Kingdom of Dyfed, D-Y-F-E-D, Dyfed. Okay, so weirdly enough, I um, watch a lot of videos at night where people talk about different languages because I like have this aspiration about being a polyglot and I've been learning Italian and stuff. And so one of them is Welsh. And so I kind of like a vague, 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 vague idea of how to pronunciate very small words. So I think D-Y is like Dived, D-Y-F-E-D, kind of like David in English. I'm just saying. It's probably not right. that at all. <laughs> anyway, saw a gorgeous woman dressed in gold and riding a white mare. Powell chased after Rhiannon but could not catch her no matter how fast he rode. Finally, Powell called to her and she stopped. 
When he asked her why she had eluded him, Rhiannon replied that he had only to ask her to stop. Okay, catch that tea. Rhiannon and Paolo were married, and Rhiannon gave birth to the son called Prydery, P-R-Y-D-E-R-I. I'm sure it's way more beautiful and lyrical than what I just said. When the infant was three days old, on the night of May Eve, the nursemaids charged with watching over Prydery fell asleep. When they awoke, they found the baby missing and in a panic smeared puppy blood on the lips of the sleeping Rhiannon and accused her of killing and eating Prydery. Yikes. Um, Rhiannon was found guilty of infanticide and was ordered by Powell to spend seven years seated at the city gates, confessing her crime to all who approached and then carrying them to court upon her back. Meanwhile, a beautiful mare owned by Ternion gave birth to a foal. Every May Eve and every May Eve, the foal vanished. Is it foal or is it foul? Foal. I think it's pronounced. Uh, baby horse. Uh, he decided to keep watch inside the stable and just as his mare gave birth, a huge clawed hand reached in the window to grab the foal. Turnin hacked off the hand and with his sword and the foal was saved. Turnin ran outside to capture the thief but, none was, but found no one. When he returned to the barn, he discovered a beautiful baby boy whom he and his wife adopted. After a time, the couple noticed that the child had an affinity for horses, had supernatural powers, and had begun to resemble Powell. Turnin... I'm not pronouncing that right either. The deuce that the child was Paul and Rhiannon's son, Rhiannon's, Rhiannon's son, and so returned him to his parents. Sometimes I literally have to sing her name and then I can say it again. After Rhiannon told the story of how the child was found, Rhiannon was exonerated and again took her place in the palace as queen. The story of Rhiannon teaches us that with truth, patience, and love, we can create changes no matter how bleak life seems in the moment. Ain't that the damn truth? Ideally, Rhiannon would be worshipped at night with the moon high in the sky within a grove of trees upon an altar made from forest materials. In the real world, we can create an altar of her made of, to her made of wood or stone adorned with images of horses, birds, golden or white candles, and a bouquet of daffodils, pansies, or pure white flowers. Soft music playing in the background would be a perfect offering to her. Um, and then... This goes on to do the lyrics of Rhiannon, but I, I'm sure you don't want me to sing it for you. But there is a version from 1977, I think. That's a live version of Stevie Nicks performing it with Fleetwood Mac. And it is like mind altering. It's so gorgeous. It's my favorite one to watch. It's about eight to 10 minutes long. So um, I will post that so we can all take in that beauty together. Okay, so let's... Uh, read her message in the book and then we will do one more okay so on her card she is pictured on her famous beautiful white mare and the first word on the card is sorceress and then it's you are a magical person who can manifest your clear intentions into reality I find that Rhiannon as she has been with this podcast is very um particular about when she appears she, she's kind of one of the cards that I love the most. Not, I mean, I don't want to, I pick favorites, but I'm always a little kindred to her, but she shows herself very rarely. And it is my belief and my, my intuition that she really reserves herself for people that truly are like magical. Not, you know, not to say that we're not all magical in all so many ways, but truly like the people that have the power to embody and and produce the things that she can, like she sees a little bit of herself, I think that's when she reserves herself until then to come out. She's, it's a very rare card for me. Okay. Message from Rhiannon. Rhiannon, oh gosh, 
question. <laughs> I lose it every time. A large part of my power stems from my connection to animals and nature. If you if you've been indoors too long, you can recapture your personal power by simply stepping outside. Addendum with a mask on. The simple motion will do you a world of good in reawakening your sleeping magical spiritual nature. Allow the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars to stir ancient memories that may be dormant. Recall the times of your magical abilities and then put them to your to use immediately for the good of the entire planet. Resume the mission that was once aborted through the misdeeds of pastime leaders. Wink, wink. Take up your spiritual arms and move with swift speed into the night, awakening one and all of the magic that is life itself. This is the mission that must be accomplished, and you're the one who can help with it. That was supposed to be so beautiful at the end. And you're the one who can help us with it. You see what I mean? Like, she's a very special card and a very rare card, and she speaks to something, something deep, like something in your heart and like past that something in your your spirit okay some things of the card have absolute faith that your dream is manifested make a clear decision put your energy into manifesting your dreams know that you deserve to receive good huh huh we deserve good you don't say <laughs> when you win others win too keep your thoughts focused on your desire and away from fear Whew. You know, it's just when we're all, we've all been locked up for so long. And I mean, honestly, we're headed back towards that, which is for the best. Um, did I talk about how Americans are banned from uh, the the EU? So like, we're literally not just locked up like in our own homes. We're, we're locked up in this country right now, which again, my career's over, but like, it's cool. I'll figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, that's, it's such a word of like, we have to, we can't become like shells of ourselves in that we have to connect to like what we have the memories we have that are like far reaching past this experience, touching the ground, smelling the grass outside, feeling rain on your skin. Uh, not to quote the Hills theme song, but it is, it's about that connection. It's about staying present and not just, that's what she keeps showing me. Like the lights are on, but no one's home. Like someone just sitting on the sofa and being like a shell of themselves because that's all you can do. There's no judgment in that and watching Netflix 17 hours a day and then sleeping 17 hours the next day because we're just trying to cope. We're trying to survive right now, but it is a really good reminder. And she's just so special. She just <sighs> love her. Okay. Last but not least. And I truly cannot remember if we did her before because I know I definitely have talked about her being that I was in Greece for like a couple of these episodes. And also of course the story of Medusa as you remember is black history um it's athena and i know there's been a bit of a like i held a grudge against athena for a long time because of the medusa story but also as i've kind of grown and matured like i i have so much more grace for that situation more understanding so i know we've definitely talked about her but i don't think she appeared full-fledged like this yet so we're going to talk about her and she is going to round out our episode i you know what? Again, it never hurts to revisit. So if we talked about her before, we're just going to talk about her again. No problems there. Also, um, Bast came out again and I was like, girl, you already had your turn. <laughs> so we got to go somewhere else. <laughs> but you know, just revisit that part of the episode because clearly she like wants to be heard. Okay. So about Athena. Athena is a powerful and wise Grecian goddess who oversees and protects those who call upon her. She's the daughter of Zeus and her power animals are white owls and black pigeons. Although Athena is a warrior goddess, she does battle with wits instead of weapons. You can call upon her for resolving disputes and also for protection. In addition, Athena helps with creative projects such as writing, arts, and crafts. 
I don't think we've done her yet. I don't remember reading that out on the podcast before. I think I just talked about her a lot because I went to the Parthenon and the Acropolis and all that. And it's like her temple. So, I mean, Athens, come on. Okay. So facts about Athena, goddess war and wisdom. Unlike the war god Ares, Athena was not known for her brutality and bullying behavior, which again is why we're on a redemption story right now after me, like having such a grudge against her for so long. She was more of a strategist and a diplomat and was called upon to mediate in several disputes and wars amongst the gods. She owned no weapons of her own, borrowing them instead from Zeus. Um, but you remember, oh gosh, what is the word? Her shield, which has a specific name, Aegis, had Medusa's image on it. So let's remember that. Uh, the Greek goddess was also associated with domestic crafts. In Greek mythology, she was not just the goddess of war. She also taught Prometheus architecture, astrology, mathematics, medicine, and navigation. Additionally, she is accredited with the invention of spinning, weaving, the plow, and rake. So we have a weaving and spinning, just like with Ischel. Uh, she is the patron goddess of the city of Athens, and her most famous statue is st situated in the Parthenon. This goddess oversees the physical buildings and structures that protect the Greek people, such as harbors, fortresses, and law courts. Athena assisted many of the Greek heroes in their quests, including Perseus, Hercules, Odysseus, and Jason. You know, just Jason. You got your Perseuses, you have your Hercules, you have your Odysseuses, and then Jason. I always love that. Okay, goddess Athena's family. This goddess had a very unusual birth, as we know. We all know, but we'll tell it again. She sprung, fully grown, from the head of her father, Zeus. He had swallowed her mother, Metis, whole, fearing that like his father before him, his position would be usurped by one of his children. Um, so if you know the story of Zeus, he was his father Cronus and he tried to eat all of his children as soon as they were born because the prophecy was like one of your children will overtake you someday and it was something either like someone smuggled Zeus I clearly haven't read this story in a long time someone smuggled Zeus away and so uh uh Cronus was given rocks to eat instead instead of newborns apology <laughs> is wild uh or it was like he finally did swallow him and then Zeus like had a, a sword and like cut his way out either way the prophecy came true because despite his baby swallowing technique uh this should be a trigger warning for this episode of talking about some wild stuff um uh you know prophecy came true because Zeus was still able to escape one way or another so you know like father like son I guess <laughs> Athena became Zeus's favorite child so much so that he entrusted her with his shield the Aegis Athena's siblings. She has lots of half-brothers and sisters, because Zeus was out here, including Aphrodite, Apollo, Ares, uh, Artemis, Hephaestus. it's always hard for me to say, uh, Hebe, Hermes, Persephone, the Fates, the Graces, the Muses, Titus, the number would be even greater if, <laughs> this is the person writing, if I included all the children from his fa her, her father's affairs with mortals, your demigods, if you will. In Libya, where the war goddess was also worshipped, she was said to be the daughter of the sea god Poseidon in the lake Tritorus. <clears throat> she herself, remember the the, um, the Medusa episode, we talked about Athena like and the Libyan goddess aspect. So if you want to go back and revisit that, there, I'm pretty sure I read like the whole thing out. Um, she herself was never married. There are several myths that Athena defends her virginity when she receives unwelcome male attention. This is why the temple dedicated to her is called the Parthenon, as the word means temple of the virgin in Greek. I don't think I need 
that. Um, because I know the word pantheon. I always get pantheon, parthenon, and what's that other one? I can't remember. I always get them confused, but pantheon is like uh, the collection of gods in a religion or in a mythology, but Parthenon is Temple of the Virgin. Okay, cool. Uh, despite being a virgin, she had a child named Eratonius. Okay. Um, he was born after a failed rape attempt when his father's seed fell upon the fertile earth. Oh, I think I have heard that myth before as well. Okay. So her strengths, rational, intelligent, a powerful defender and arbiter weaknesses. Too ruled by her head and out of touch with her emotions and feminine side, unapproachable and lacking in compassion. And her Roman equivalent is Minerva. Athena's symbols, the archetypical arch. Baddies. I just want y'all to know that literally, like, I got, I went to school for English. Like, I have my degree in English. I'm a very good writer and speaker, except when I get on this podcast and it goes to hell. I use the word archetypical. I can't remember how it's pronounced now archetype, archetypical. I use that word all the time, but when I get on the podcast, my brain turns to mush. Okay. The archetypical female warrior. She is usually depicted wearing a helmet and a goatskin breastplate known as the Aegis. That's the thing with Medusa. Oh, here we go. On this breastplate, she mounted the terrifying head of the goddess Medusa. Okay. The Greek goddess was referred to as the goddess with bright eyes. Some scholars suggest that, that this supports the theory that in earlier times, she was also a storm and lightning goddess. Sacred animals, snake, snakes form part of her famous statue like Medusa. Mm -hmm. Sacred birds. The owl is linked to Athena, the Greek goddess, as it represents wisdom and watchfulness. If you've seen Clash of the Titans, like the old one with Harry Hamlin, Harry freaking Hamlin, uh, from like 1980, 19, late 70s, the owl is a very key component of that. And um, you should watch it. The, the claymation alone is a great time. <laughs> Sacred plants. Mulberry, oak, and olive tree. She is said to have created the very first olive tree. I think there's a place in Athens, too, where you can, like, see where the first olive tree was supposed to have have sprung from. But don't quote me on that. Athena, the Greek goddess's archetypes. The warrior. The archetype, actually, we don't need to read all this because we did the whole... Oh, actually, we do because this is a little different. The archetype represents physical strength and the ability to protect and fight for the rights of those... And those... Fight for your rights and those of others. The shadow side of the warrior reflects that need to win at all costs, abandoning ethical principles to prove your supremacy. The Greek goddess main archetype is that the female warrior is that of the female warrior. I'm getting tired, y'all. I'm sorry. This is illustrated by her role of patron and defender of Athens. She also became involved in the war against the giants and the siege of Troy. The diplomat peacemaker. The diplomat archetype is able to mediate between between different groups, as they are able to quickly assess the situation, understanding both sides' point of view, helping them to find a middle ground upon which they can both agree. The shadow diplomat manipulates both sides to achieve their own personal agenda. If you watch Game of Thrones, that is 100% Littlefinger. He was just, like, playing all sides. I I can't talk about Game of Thrones because it, like, upsets me so much. But um, that particular character, you never, you never knew who he was championing and who he was in cahoots with because he really was just in cahoots with himself and I think that he was so addicted to the manipulation and the chaos of it all that he didn't even have an end goal the the goal was just to keep playing the game so that is very much that figure um this may seem a strange archetype for the goddess of war however Athena was able to avert several wars through the use of her diplomatic and negotiating skills and that's also a very like aligned with femininity aspects where we look at um 
Ares, who's the god of war, and how it was just like bloodshed and violence is that women are supposed to be the mediators. We're the ones that can use our words. We're the ones that don't want to, you know, use our fists to solve things. We're the typical man is supposed to do that. So it's still, even though we, I know for me personally, I never think of her as being that feminine. Um, even though she's like the goddess in a lot of aspects, um, I, that definitely kind of feminizes her in this very like gender specific ideal that we have. And so I think that is interesting that that is how her story is and her, her figure as a goddess is feminized. It's like women use their words, men use their fists and women obviously are the fair sex. <laughs> All right. Teacher inventor. The teacher and inventor communicates knowledge, experience, and wisdom. In its shadow aspect, the teacher may manipulate and mislead their students by indoctrinating them with negative beliefs and destructive behavior. Oh, hello. Is that, is that the U S education system? That only teaches, like, history of the people that were in the majority? <laughs> you? Where people don't learn about Tulsa or Black Wall Street or anything? Huh. Okay. No shade to teachers, by the way. I just mean that the actual school system and what we're taught in school is broken because both my parents are teachers. Um, and we just focus on the story of the victors and not the survivors a lot of the time. And you know, that's a very biased way that we are taught history. And it's something that with like Black Lives Matter and all of, of these movements that are coming up, we're trying to refigure language, we're trying to refigure how stories are told, and who's telling the stories, you know, because if you get it from the per the people that were in the privileged position to start with, then you're just getting a very limited view. But yes, I'm talking about the totality of education in the US and not individuals because trust me being a teacher is literally the hardest thing I have two teachers and if I could ever tell you the one thing in life I won't be it's a teacher because it is it's just unreal how hard it is and their lack of resources why aren't teachers paid a million dollars a year because they're the ones that actually deserve it and like I mean I've had a few teachers, I, I won't say they're bad teachers, but I had teachers that definitely were racist. Um, and we were aware of it even back then and how it affected us as like black students as opposed to white and non-black students. But overall, like teachers are amazing. And so this is absolutely no shade to teachers. It's just the U.S. education system definitely needs some reform along with everything else here. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you can never, you couldn't pay me to be a teacher because I, I ended up in jail. There's no, there's no way. I just, I would end up popping off on somebody, the principal, <laughs> the superintendent, uh, a parent that had, that tried to come for me. Like, I don't know. It just wouldn't work out. I do not have the patience or the calmness to be a teacher at all. Y'all are amazing. Okay. So, um, in Greek mythology, the goddess is the protector and advisor of the heroes, Hercules, Perseus, and Ulysses. As an inventor, this goddess teaches mankind how to spin and weave <clears throat> However, it is in this role that we see her need to control her students and she will not allow anyone to surpass her accomplishment. Uh, and then how to work with these archetypes. We already talked about the warrior, so let's go back to the diplomat and peacemaker. To have the diplomat as one of your main archetypes, you do not have to be a diplomat by profession. However, you must have a lifelong commitment to resolving disputes and bringing people together. This can often occur within families where one member of the family is constantly trying to keep the peace and the family together. So you're just... Yeah, you're the, um, Cynthia Bailey. 
<laughs> Except now Cynthia's been in drama with Nene. So, you know, but you're the person on the housewife show who's like, well, I'm just calling the middle. I'm friends with everybody. I can't think of anyone who's like that right now because they're all pretty awful. But you know the role. <laughs> uh, check, you are not stepping into the archetype shadow by asking yourself if it is you who will benefit most from the outcome you are steering the different sides towards. I'm really losing my voice. I'm so sorry, y'all. And last but not least, the teacher inventor archetype. This archetype may suggest a love of passing on wisdom and learning to others. The goddess wise counsel can also be called upon to help you see a way through any present difficulties or to help you to master a new skill. The shadow aspect of this stereotype is also a, <clears throat> sorry, as I've been going through all these, they're saying stereotype, but I think they should stick with the word archetype because kind of describes all this better. It's also a reminder that whenever we Whenever we find ourselves in a teacher or mentoring role, we must aim to be a positive role model, encouraging others to reach their full potential. And that's me <laughs> with this podcast. I am trying to be a good role model. I'm trying to encourage all of you. And that's the reason I didn't want to, you know, just skip out to two weeks. But that's it. Those are our five goddesses. I'm afraid if I do 10, this actually will be a two hour episode. I know some of you were down for it, but my voice is literally like, okay, that's enough, girl. You proved your point. So homework for, oh my gosh, who posted in the Facebook group and was like, my, my witch kid is doing homework from the podcast. I was like, oh, like, I don't even think I respond to because things have been so crazy, but I was thinking, oh, I'm so glad, but also how old are they? <laughs> like, have I said anything really wild? I hope they didn't hear me say anything like crazy about sex or like telling some of these goddess story stories or like cursing or banishing someone. <laughs> I really just like using, I don't, I try, it's, it's an intention of mine to not swear very much on the podcast, but I was like, oh my gosh, what a bombs have I dropped? So <laughs> I honestly am like very curious to know how old um, some of my listeners are. And if y'all are like the same age I would have been if I had access to the podcast at the time, like 12 years old watching the crafts and being like, yep, homework for this week. So anyway, um, yeah. Oh, actually I have had a couple of teenagers email me love you. Okay. So yeah, your homework's going to be just continue with your vision board because you have another week on that. Well, not just one week, but you know, to show a little progress. And, um, I really have to get back on the crystal of the week. I need suggestions. You know what I actually wanted to do this week when I was kind of thinking about this episode? Um, I want to do a whole, cause remember at the beginning of oh, I can't remember which one I did a whole thing about black crystals. I want to do the same thing for brown crystals. Because we were talking about vision boards in last week's episode. Um, and I was just noticing that like brown doesn't get that much love and brown is beautiful. So I want to focus on brown crystals and just tell you about like five or six of my favorites. So, I mean, I've already covered tiger's eye. It's <laughs> like what more can I say? But, you know, like a smoky quartz, which I think we may have already done too. But I'm going to put a list together. So we'll have like a big chunk of crystals to talk about. Um, so yeah, that's how we're at crystal of the week. We'll get back to, I promise. And send me some of your crystals, please. I, I need new ones. Cause I think I did like 50 before I ran out. Um, that's it. So the badwitch podcast at gmail.com. If you have any emails, patreon.com slash bad Um, if you want to join and support, that's amazing. Um, what else, what else we do? Oh, the Facebook group. The answer to join is the craft. I meant to put that earlier in the episode too, but I totally forgot. So you have to make it an hour and 30 minutes. And if you want to hear it, <laughs> But that's why I know you're a trooper. And then what am I forgetting? Oh, and then teespring.com slash bad dash witch dash two is our merch store. And I'll put it in the, that thing down there. Not the comments. I watch too much YouTube. 
the episode description, <laughs> episode notes. That's what it's called. So I'll put it there. And um, I am going to be from Patreon and from Teespring alike. I'm going to be doing um, donations from there. I also think I might do another thing for raising money for the local food bank where I do like really cheap readings again. So if y'all are interested in that, let me know. And I think that's it. Okay. As always, Black Lives Matter. Black lives still matter. I know that we're, you know, not posting it as much. Well, I'm still posting about it, but I know like we're going back to kind of our normal feeds on social media, but it doesn't mean that, you know, equality and, and like the dismantling of white supremacy and social reform is a trend. It's not, it's every day, all day. It's what I live every day, all day. And so black lives matter, black lives still matter. Justice for Breonna Taylor. Oh, I forgot. I said I was going to say my favorite podcasters. Okay. I'll do it real quick. Um, (laughs) Because how can I talk about Black Lives Matter and like supporting black people in all ways and not talk about some of my favorite podcasts? So three of my favorites are Dunzo by Troy McGeady, who truly is like a sweet angel upon this earth. If you all, and I, I get this comment a lot, like you love my laugh and you always laugh along with me. If you think my laugh is good, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to Troy. He is amazing. I could just listen to him. What is, case in point, when his episodes come out and they're an hour, I'm like, oh, just an hour. <laughs> I'm so sad. I literally would listen to that man read a phone book. He is incredible. And yeah, so his podcast is done so and he covers celebrity relationships, new and old, vintage and now. And it's just if you love pop culture, if you love like relationship love mess, it is so good. He's in the middle of doing Whitney and uh, Whitney Houston and Bobby. I was supposed to say Whitney and Bobby like I know them. Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown and he's going into like his fifth episode and it's just you think you know these people and you have no idea and I'm learning so much and he just does the research and the work and he's such a good storyteller and I love him. So Dunzo by Troy McGeady. He also did a really long series on Beyonce and Jay-Z, um, which <laughs> he did a long series on Britney Spears because he's a Britney stan. Like he knows things about Britney that I had truly never heard in my life. And like I'm from Louisiana. I keep my ear to the streets very like uh, Mama Joy style. Uh, what else did he did a really good, um, Winona Ryder and Johnny Depp episode, which I have my opinions about Johnny Depp, but just knowing about the relationship and that's a time period, like the early nineties that I'm really, really interested in. I love that episode. He, they're all good. He's done like 150 by now or 180 or something. They're all good. Like I, if you really want to know my favorites, I'll go through and pick them out. If you decide to listen, I'll tell you personally, but if you just start with Bobby and Whitney, amazing. Um, and then there's everyone's, oops, I always say it wrong. Everybody's business, but mine, let me double check. Everyone's business, but mine by Kara Berry. Kara listens sometimes. So, Hey girl. Um, she is another Pisces queen. And again, she's just, she has the kind of voice and laugh that you just want to listen to anyway, but she is so smart. And she's one of those people that actually you can like hear her take a pause before she articulates something. It's not just me where I'm like, so anyway, and then this happened. <laughs> oh, and this pops into my head. She has so much control in what she delivers. And she, it's just so deep and thought provoking without her intentionally doing it. And I love it. And so our podcast, it's, um, it's pop culture in all forms. Like she's really smart because she had a podcast previous to this. And I think she really learned that like, as a podcaster, you kind of want to start out saying, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about because it's my podcast and if people like it amazing. And so she doesn't pigeonhole herself into one topic. And so she'll talk about my day fiance. She'll talk about like she, I was just listening to her do an episode about the Duggars today, but that was, 
I don't know that much about the Duggars. I kind of like reject that whole thing, even before all the like effed up things happened. I'm saying that for the 14 year olds listening. I just, I don't know. Fundamentally, I reject all that. Um, but she did a great episode with them today and she has, she'll just talk about things that come up. She talks about the Lori Vallow case, which is just like horrific. Um, I'm not going to say the person's name because I don't want to give them any more attention, but the YouTuber that I'm using quotes rehomed because I don't want to use that for a human child, their adopted child from China because he had special needs. And I guess it was the easy thing to do, which is horrible. Um, so yeah, she just covers everything. I don't even watch 90 Day Fiance like that, but I'll just listen to Kara talk about it because she's awesome. So um, Dunzo and then Kara and then uh, Buy Pumpkin, P-U-M-K-I-N, as in the way New Tiffany New York Pollard pronounced it on um, on Flavor of Love the first season where she and Pumpkin got into that altercation and she like threw her into the camera, which deserved if you spit on someone that's what you get um but yeah she just does like iconic early reality shows season by season so the first season she did was flavor of love and then she did breaking bonaduce which was wild and now she's on uh growing up gaudy so if you were ever a like early adapter to reality television like I was I mean I watched started watching the real world literally the first season of real world I remember watching was real world boston um, I was, I think it was 1997 and I was 10. <laughs> like, don't tell me anything about Survivor. Okay. I am old school in this reality TV game. So yeah, it's just like these iconic shows. A lot of them were just kind of one awesome. I mean, Flavor of Love had a few seasons, but just these like moments in time. And she is so funny and she's so smart and she's a writer. So just the way she speaks is amazing. The way she weaves things together. And also she's a foster mom and also an adopt adoptee mom. She's her, uh, her two of her children are adopted as far as, I don't know if it's actually more than two, but as of like the last time I heard um, from her sharing it, I wasn't being creepy or anything. Uh, so she will talk about the foster system and like all, just all the specifics of it. And she's just so interesting to listen to about everything. Like I, another one where I was just like, just tell me about your day. Just tell me things. She's so funny. And she just knows so much. She's so smart. So yeah, all three of those podcasts, all three black creators, please support them. Give them a listen. I promise you, you'll love it. And you know, that's the thing is like with black lives matter, with being anti-racism, caring about black people, loving black people, supporting black people. It's not just like going to protest and calling and writing letters and trying to get justice for these black people that have been murdered and just like the horrors that we face day to day. It's, you know, supporting our content. It's sending someone $5 to get a tea or a coffee. It's, you know, being there and just being like, yo, I'm here with you and you don't have to respond. I know you're going through a lot, but just know that like, I got your back no matter how. So yeah, it doesn't always have to be these, these big, huge actions, which are definitely necessary, but it can be these, these smaller actions too. So please support them. I love them. I've never met any of them. I only know them through the internet because we were all in a Facebook group together at one time. I did friend Troy because I'm obsessed with him and I think he's amazing. <laughs> He'll never hear this unless someone gives it, unless Kara gives it to him. But yeah, I, I just love them. So please support black creators. Um, it's actually um, someone who listens to this podcast, a friend of mine, reached out to me and she was saying like, oh, we're, because I've been posting this thing like, hey, where are we donating the money this week on my Facebook? And so she asked me personally, like, where should I be focusing on donating? And I was like, you know, don't just focus on like these GoFundMes and these bail funds. 
they're important. Focus on them. But also, if you see someone on Twitter that's passing a GoFundMe because they're a young black ballet student or a young uh, black you know musician or someone that wants to start a Girl Scout troop or start a knitting club, you know, in their community, that's so valuable too. It's just Black Lives Matter is about supporting all black life and all kind of in all kinds of directions and ways. And so, yeah, it doesn't have to be this huge effort every single time out of the gate. It can really be like, I, I see this black person. I support this black person kind of just in this beautiful, smaller way, you know? So yeah. <laughs> okay. So I remembered to do that. I'm so glad I would feel like such a goose, a loosey goosey, juicy goosey. If I would have forgotten to include that at the end, but yeah, just, just support us and be there for us and love on us, and march with us, and speak for us. Well, I'm sorry, don't speak for us, but like speak in accompaniment with us. And talk to your friends and family and reverse all of the racist courses that you see happening that are just kind of inherent to our society here. Also, wear your mask. Please stay home as much as you can. Please care about other people. Please don't be the reason that someone not as fortunate as my dad is going to be in the hospital just fading away by themselves. It's horrible and no one should have to live like that or go like that. So yeah. All right. Started on a down note, ended on a down note. <laughs> Good way to go. All right. I love you all. Blessed be. We're going to pick up with binding next week. I'm almost certain, but we'll see because we're, we're getting real. Speaking of loosey gooseys, we're getting real loosey goosey around here because we're just trying to survive it. All right. You all deserve good. Blessed be. Goodbye. <laughs>